The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. How's it going, Derek? Oh, not bad. You know, typical day. Had my dentist appointment, got my teeth cleaned, saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, pretty busy. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking about sending you a telegraph. Then I got to thinking about sending you a human telegraph. And I decided, no, let's bring in the cast, some of the cast members of the web series Human Telegraph on the show instead. So we have, just so I have the names right, we have Rachel K. Barkley, yes. Kayla Conroy, and Fern Lim. Yes. All on the show with us. How's everyone doing? Hi. Doing great. I'm good. I just woke up from a nap a little bit while ago. It's a little after my bedtime. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just woke up for your from your nap time, I could go to my true self. <laughs> okay, maybe not. That's amazing. Um, That's so funny. <clears throat> so, tell us a little bit about. Oh, I'm having a choking fit. Mm-mm. Tell us a little bit about human telegraphs. Ernie, are you? Did you say something? Are you muted? Oh no, I said Rachel because Rachel oh, is okay. the person who gives Sorry. their best intros. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can first just tell everyone the premise of the show. It's a quirky and lighthearted comedy about three friends who fall on hard times in New York City, and so they decide to launch their own business, and it's called Human Telegraphs, and they uh, basically deliver messages in person, in first person, to New Yorkers' front doors, New Yorkers' offices, um, any private or public place that the customer uh, specifies uh, they will deliver there. They'll deliver in costume if necessary. They'll sing a song or do a little rap ditty. Basically, the customer is king, and they're up for anything as long as they can make some fast cash in order to, in order to stay in the city and to pursue their dreams. And they each have different, you know, character arcs and dreams. Uh, their names are Trisha, Lily, and Margo. That's basically the the premise of the pilot is that they start this uh, message delivery um, service. So if they were going to a guy named Hank's house and the message was from his old coworker, Vanessa, they'd knock on the door and say, Hank, it's me, Vanessa. I have something to tell you, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it could be a happy message. It could be an angry message. Oftentimes they're a bit awkward and they're always intimate. So um, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a commentary on how everything in New York is a bit awkward and intimate. You know, if you live there, just because there's not a lot of privacy of so many people per, you know, a hundred feet, like whether you're walking on the sidewalk or you're in the subway, you can't help but be immersed in people's private affairs. You might hear somebody, you know, arguing with their significant other on the subway. You might hear somebody, Oh, actually, uh, Kayla, I think you shared a, such a funny tweet uh, yeah. on our social media recently. Oh, yeah. A woman in line in, in a coffee shop in Brooklyn. I'm just mm-hmm. going to paraphrase. I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was like, 
I'm standing in line. I'm listening to the woman in front of me. And she wrote this in all caps, repeat, call your lawyer, call your lawyer. Like, she heard the guy behind her uninviting somebody to his birthday party in Miami. So you know, <laughs> nothing's really personal in New York because you just don't really have, you know, you can't go to your car and shut yourself in there and make a private call or cry your eyes out if you get let go from your job. You're just going to cry on the bus or on the sidewalk and pass 50 people. And that's the way it is. So, and that's kind of what the show is about. Or, you know, people are our three main characters getting caught in these intimate exchanges and they actually get to see the emotional aftermath, the, like the, the repercussions of these messages, uh, you know, because they're face to face with the recipients. And so we get to meet a lot of colorful New Yorkers in, uh, in the series. And then of course the, the three girls have their own stories and we get to know them as well. But yeah, that's basically the show premise. Uh, I guess it was a, it was a little long winded. I was going to say nutshell. No, it's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> now it, it is, the show walnut show <laughs> is, is the show available currently or is it still yeah. where so do people actually, find the show we just launched actually this last monday november 15th on youtube so you can go to youtube.com slash human telegraphs and we have all of season one there so it's eight episodes total um and yeah we're, we're really really excited about it and we also had our first world premiere, I think, three weeks ago, uh, ironically enough, in New York in the heart of Times Square at the Big Apple Film Festival. And so we got to see the show on a big screen in a really comfy, cozy, or it was the AMC Theater in Times Square. And that was really surreal, just being able to see the show, in, you know, on the big screen here, like an audience react. And uh, we've, we've done other film festivals since then as well, the NYC Bud Fest. And so... Yeah, we're really enjoying this whole launch process, and yeah. What's been the reset? How's the reception been? I, I'd say it's been really positive, and uh, it's been. We're so thankful for our community who've supported us throughout the process. But I'll let Fern and Kayla talk. I've been doing all the talking. <laughs> yeah, we've been getting so many wonderful messages from our friends and family. Like all three of us have been getting texts and emails just being like, I binged it. It was so good. And like, you know, but then people were talking about like, oh, it's helped me. I'm having a hard time. And like, it, I felt so much better watching your series and really affirming things like that, that just really help us be like, oh yeah, we've really put so much of ourselves into this for the past you know five years and it's wonderful seeing it had the effect that we want it to that's really cool yeah i can echo that it's been it's been positive reception and we just launched on monday so we're just continuing to you know we've we've reached our immediate audience and we we started doing um this live stream watch party on Mondays because we released all episodes on the 15th on YouTube um, because we wanted to kind of give people the, the best of both worlds where if they want to binge through all the episodes, they can. But also we've been working on this project for years. So we're like, let's, you know, we want to like savor each episode also. So on Monday nights, we started doing a, a live stream on YouTube where people can tune in with the three of us and we live stream one episode per week. And then the three of us do behind the scenes chat about Very the making cool. of the episode. So so we have people tune in on YouTube and they type in questions about, they can like ask about the episode and we talk about different locations we shot in and just funny behind the scenes stories about when we were filming. So that's been really cool to engage with our audience in that way, especially because like Fern and Rachel said, we've been so supported, especially because we did crowdfunding for our series. It's just like, it, it just definitely feels like it's been um, a, a big community effort to create the series itself. So it's been really cool to celebrate it in that way with everyone. Was it hard to uh, bring this project together during the pandemic or did it make, or did the, did the pandemic make it easier for you guys to come together to try and do something creative to keep sanity? It actually didn't change very much because we filmed in 2017. Oh, and so okay. during the pandemic, all of us had already um, shifted different locations. So we were already used to, you know, working remotely and all three of us in different locations working with our post-production people remotely as well. So we were uniquely set up, I think, when the <laughs> pandemic hit to just be like, cool, um, this is as usual. <laughs> yeah, I think it slowed down a little bit with uh, our freelancers and things because like everyone was affected by what was going on in the world. So it's like we maybe had to adjust our timeline at certain times. But 
we just kind of, <laughs> I think we're at the point of going with the flow already because like being a producer is just putting out fires all the time and, and going with the flow and readjusting however you can. So um, I think we're just sort of used to those challenges and always figuring out how we can continue to move ahead in whatever way we could or if we needed to take a break, you know, knowing that was the best thing at that time. So it's been like sort of an unexpected timeline of events for for as far as when we decided to release. Um, but it's also excellent timing because people are looking for things to watch online, especially nowadays. So, yeah, because honestly, I totally thought in my naive, like new producer way that we would release in 2017, which is kind of, in hindsight, a bit ridiculous. So um, I think it all works out for the best because as Kayla said, right now, I think there's a huge need for lighthearted comedies. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> so so how did you how did you come up with the concept and also uh, the characters? Because each of your characters has kind of interesting personalities. And it's uh, it's fun to see how the characters uh, work of each other. Well, we we knew we wanted to create a series together. We knew that the three of us want, wanted to star in it. And at first, we had a premise of us just being roommates. But then we was like, oh, we felt like, oh, that's probably been done a lot. And I wanted to try to figure out a way to bring in a lot of different characters per episode because I just love the idea. I, I've always loved the idea of bringing in a lot of different characters um, for shows. And uh, I was listening to a podcast on the subway, like back in 2015 or 16. And um, I don't remember the podcast name, but they had a guy on the episode and he told this crazy story about working in a bookstore in New York. Uh, and while he was on his shift, like restacking books or something, some guy or this random guy came in. And, you know, just like this, I think he described him as short, balding, blonde, stocky fellow. And he was like, are you Ben? Mm. Like, yeah, I'm Ben. It's me, Anna. I'm in love with you. And then it was, the guy's like, wait a minute. I dated a girl named Anna. What's, what's going on here? And, you know, I think he was like a shy guy. And he didn't appreciate this, this very personal message being delivered in front of all these customers and his, these coworkers. So I, I think he said he had to go upstairs to <laughs> like just compose himself. Uh, and I, I thought that was really interesting. And I was wondering, well, what would happen, like, uh, if a character had to do this for a living? Like, they, they did this regularly multiple times you know, a day and uh, their ability to stay in New York, which is a very expensive city and pursue whatever life or dreams they want to have in New York uh, was dependent on them being really good at this and keeping customers happy and what kind of people would they meet and what kind of messages would they deliver. And I thought it was right for a lot of cool moments, comedy and, and sad moments too, a lot of awkward moments, which we love. Um, and then the three characters themselves, Trisha, Lily, and Margot, are somewhat inspired from like different personality quirks we may have. Probably Lily is <laughs> more inspired by my personality quirks than maybe Trisha and Margot by Kaylin Burns' personality quirks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did want to uh, create like a you know a tripod of three characters that are similar uh, in their naivety, where they can believe in like that they, that they can do this kind of business and it's going to be okay. But they each have their own personal outlook on the world that kind of complements each other. Or you know, and Trish is obviously the more grounded presence, and she's actually super smart. She's very business savvy. Um, and she's, you know, the engine behind the business and Margot is very, you know, shy and bashful and her journey is really to find her voice and to find her confidence as a performer and as a, and as a, you know, an independent person in New York. And then Lily is very fiery and maybe doesn't always have her feet on the ground, is a little bit too idealistic and maybe has good intentions, but her execution is a little off a lot of times. Uh, and so she, she could go down a spiral staircase very well, though. Yeah. We were talking about quotable things earlier today because we want to make <laughs> we, we want to make mugs. We're, we're thinking of doing a giveaway during our our live events, and we were trying to think of like different quotes we can put on our merch. I like that one. I like to live my art. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All the time. That's a good one. Yeah. So. Um, I think one of my favorite moments in the show uh, was it, Trish when she goes to the office and is getting 
being complimented, but also chewed out at the same time by the office manager, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, she's pissed that you're there, but she's inspired by you because you're like her. Um, I, I love the moment of Trish, you know, when posed the question, what do you want to do? And Trish mentions, well, Lily and Margot have their, their things. Mm. I don't. And then that's your realization of no, this is what I want to do. They helped me grow it, but I'm the one driving it. This is my passion. Um, what was it set up to always be like that? Or did it just happen during the course of the show that <clears throat> that moment did become such a, a key moment in the series? As a, as the one who played it, I absolutely love that moment. So thank you for putting like summarizing it so wonderfully. And that's yeah, Rachel since she wrote it. As the one who directed it, I, I appreciate someone pointing out that moment because it was merely meaningful to to experience it. Like I think that I was caught off guard actually um, when we were filming that scene. I actually teared up because for because I was. Do you remember that first? Yay. I, yeah, I started crying. Like I, I, just, <laughs> I don't I was, think like, I knew that. Oh, maybe you. I I'm pretty sure you did during. I was the very of focused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we were very focused. We had limited time, um, but. But yeah, I was caught off guard by the um, the significance and how truthful Fern played it because it, yeah. it it hit me in that moment of like, oh wow, this is this is a it is like a pivotal moment in the series. I think in the way per, the the way Fern brought such truth to it was really touching. Oh, I agree. I think it's a really moving scene, just how it was executed on all levels, and it definitely was a when I was writing it and like writing this season, it definitely was like a cornerstone scene in my eyes. Of course, for Trisha's journey, this is actually a turning point for her. And it's where a lot of the character growth and awareness uh, is materialized where she actually realizes, Oh, this is my true calling and my path. And I wanted it to resonate with, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people who may feel like they don't know their callings well into their thirties or forties or even fifties, you know, and we're always, you know, wearing different hats at different times, reinventing ourselves. I think it's a part of, you know, just the, the time that we live in. It's not like our parents' generation where you have one job for 20 years and then you retire. And I really wanted to speak to that. Um, and I also thought it was really important to show two women connecting in that business space. Women who are both women are really brilliant, very powerful. Uh, you know, even though Trisha hasn't found her power yet she has a lot of power in her like she's the character that I think out of the three of them she has the most power and potential as far as being a mover and shaker in the world Lee and Marco you know have their own potential too like they're not less powerful than her but just power emanates from Trisha because she's really the foundation of uh, the three girls operating in the city and the foundation of the business itself um, and I, yeah, I wanted to show that, that female mentorship, uh, you know, in the, um, oh shoot. In, oh yeah. In the corporate world. Cause I think that's really important. And I really think it's a, it's, it's, it's important for women right now as, as we take more leadership roles, you know, in, in, um, positions that men have normally filled, um, that, that, that we see that opportunity to help each other, you know, no matter what level right. we're at. I just, and, um, so I wanted to show that kind of mentorship and to really, uh, you know, if we did a season two to develop that relationship over time, because everybody needs a mentor and a cheerleader. And, uh, I think Trisha saw the CEO, you know, saw herself in the CEO in that moment. And of course the CEO saw herself and Trisha, that younger version of her and, I just felt like that'd be, that was really powerful when I was writing it as well. I, I took it um, only because I, stuff I've been doing with my brother during the pandemic, some ideas and whatnot uh, he was having uh, and advice I was trying to give him. I, I almost saw this as, well, this is one way if you went to a small business administration to look for help or advice this is one way it can happen without money exchanging hands. And for her, uh, and I love the, the office manager going, I got an idea to help you. And if you do it right, you're set. But one condition, don't ever show up here again. Like, <laughs> She's still a savvy businesswoman. Can't mess up her operation. But, but, I, but I, I like the fact that after doing that final, that what we see in the series is the final telegraph before 
um, before the ending, we see the office manager come back to Trish and go, you know, you did it. Told you it's going to work out. We'll talk later. I'll see you around. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I, I, I love that. Um, was there any um, personal experiences that were brought into that scene, uh, either when writing or even for, um, performing that scene that you drew from, that y'all drew from? On the performing part, I'm not sure that I consciously referenced any specific moment, but I do feel like my life has been very full of things that feel very serendipitous where I wasn't expecting an opportunity and just it, it comes because I'm open to, you know, chance things happening and I follow breadcrumbs in my life and I've never been someone who plans, you know, 10 years ahead. I'm just like, this feels like the next right step. And then this feels like the next right step. And then someone sort of meets me along the way. And I'm like, oh, cool. That would have happened if I didn't take that last little right step. So I feel like that must have informed that scene um, for me as a performer. Um, even if it wasn't conscious. How about the writer? Uh, I think writing, writing it, it was me writing what I want to happen or how I want to be in the world. Uh, I've always wanted a, a female mentor more on the business side of the arts because I there is a side of me that's very like business-focused, long-term picture-focused, and I've always wanted to have somebody to help give me advice or to elevate me in a certain way. And I'm sure it will happen at some point. And I oftentimes, you know, and I don't think I knew that when I was writing it, but now that we're talking about it, I can say, oh yeah, that's something that I want, you know, mm -hmm. I want as a part of my personal journey. And I think Lily's outspokenness is also something that I want for me. So sometimes I'll, I will write some character attributes that I think I'm aspiring to embody because she's pretty outspoken and has no problem. You know, she doesn't care if she offends people. And I, I think probably all women feel like we want to be more of that, not caring what other people think as much and just being able to, you know, right. say our true opinion. And that's something I'm working on as well. So yeah, I think it's more of like a, oh, I, I'm, I'm hoping to manifest this some, at some point in my experience. So looking for that business mentor, um, are you finding, because I'm discovering you know, with the podcast, you know, we've been doing this um, actually the Derek yesterday as where we're, or actually Wednesday is where we're recording this night. Wednesday was our nine year anniversary. Congratulations. Of the, of the drop of the first episode. Wow. Uh, I, actually, I actually had pop up in my memories on Facebook that on November 14th is when we recorded the episode, but it didn't release to the world until the 17th. Um, Amazing. Congratulations. But my original co-host felt we needed to incorporate. So I've been trying to, you know, like most podcasters do, try and monetize, try to go to that next level. And I, I have found on, on my end, a lot of the people who are podcast coaches or helpers or podcast experts uh, with monetizing and advertising and all this and, and how to run contests or various things involving a podcast. When they look at what we do as a show and other shows in our genre with the geek culture, talking about TV, film, et cetera, et cetera, they don't understand our world in our our genre do you find the same thing um that you've been having similar issues looking for a mentor that you just haven't found anyone who understands you know the production side of things or um the whole tv film web series streaming genre the entertainment genre aspect of things well, I guess we'll have to see. I, I can just speak for myself and say that I haven't really been able to fully, I don't think, identify or not identify, but embody the the whole like I'm a filmmaker um, title uh, until our launch this last Monday. I'm like, oh, yeah, we did this whole season because this is really my first big uh, filmmaking adventure. My background's actually in theater and in playwriting. And um, that's where I, I got my start. Well, oh, not really? playwright, oh. but theater. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, awesome. Um, I did have some nice mentors. I went to grad school for, for clarity. I did have one really nice, uh, wonderful woman professor who taught like a feminism and clarity course. And she was a really great mentor for a time. And then we just lost touch as I like left to Washington DC, which is where I studied to build a, a career in New York. And she just really stayed in academia in, in DC. Um, but I'm hoping that now that we have like, you know, a product out, like where it shows like, oh, this is the kind of creative sensibilities that we have. This is the kind of worlds and characters that we're, that we're producing and making, um, that hopefully that will find a home with, 
not only audiences, but, you know, people who maybe want to mentor or attach themselves to the project in different ways to elevate it uh, because it resonates with them, like in a creative and personal level as well. I think that when we were starting out, I know that I met with coffee uh, with multiple different community members like in New York City from um, other actors that were also creating their own content or had also been producing small indie budget web series and things like especially when we were first doing our pilot. I mean, previous to that, I had produced some short films um, and just been on been on set as an actor. So um, I hadn't produced something to this length (laughs) or gusto um, prior to Human Telegraph. So I think that um, those were those coffee dates were definitely helpful to be able to reach out to New York City other actors who were also creating their own content. But um, the web series thing is still becoming a more popular thing. Like it's still kind of growing. Uh, And when we first started, it was when it was really becoming more common we were inspired by broad city and high maintenance who started out on youtube and vimeo and then got picked up by networks so we saw that happening and saw sort of like a a pathway for us to you know go go that route opposed to creating just a you know a short film or something we wanted to create a series where it could be um i don't know like we could create this world for ourselves and and create continuous opportunities for work so um but as far as like launching on youtube and like sort of the later things in post-production i think that a lot of it has been us learning and like teaching it like personally i've just like been teaching myself a lot by using the internet and just studying other youtubers and things like that so it's been it's sort of like a new venue still to me i think like it's still something that's still becoming more common so I feel like you know there's other web series out there and things but I I still think that what we're doing is still kind of unique and and new in a way especially with the the length and the the amount of content that we've created it's essentially a feature film amount the amount of content between all of our episodes so interestingly enough I think um I think the I think the world of podcasting is kind of similar to that you know that there, there's a lot of stuff out there there's a lot of podcasts out there so it can be hard to try to find your footing yeah and and uh and succeed i want to say i heard a stat that before the pandemic there was online maybe three hundred thousand podcasts mm. and then at, at current time there's now like close to two million Oh my wow. I believe it actually. All because people, you know, everyone was home. Yeah. Need something right, to do. Yeah. That's the boom. So Well, you all got a nine year head start. Well, seven. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also think in one important thing is to remember why you're doing it too. And I, I think that's probably the same for you for you all as well. Like to not like I'm not in it to be famous and rich and all that. I mean, it'd be nice, but, you know, (laughs) I'm in it because we have fun. Mike and I have fun getting together and and talking to people like you or or talking about um, geek stuff. So I try to remember that's the important part. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're we try and do that, too, because we all wear so many hats and being producers it wasn't like the reason why we started the project we started the, the project more for creative reasons so when we get so immersed in the mm. business side of things sometimes it can be hard to see like the bright parts of why we're doing it like yeah. the, the right. feeling like the more joyous part so we, we definitely um like to take a step back once in a while and be like oh we hit this milestone like let's take it in let's like bask in like you know the you know, during our meetings, like still coming together and finding those exciting, inspirational, creative moments where we're still um, finding, you know, sparks of um, inspiration and the creative muse, you know, coming through, even though we're like, you know, two minutes earlier talking about our taxes and, you know, not as fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also just being able to pause and be like, wow, we've done all this because, you know, all the growth that we've had is, 
you know, step by step and incremental. And sometimes I look back at, you know, our 2016 selves who first met to talk about this and like how I totally was like, oh, make a web series. That's fun. Cool. Sure. Why not? When in my head, I was just like, that's not going to happen. And then it happened. And then (laughs) we went from pilot to making a full season. And I was like, wow, that was really kind of silly of us to go from like one episode to like seven all at once with this like enormous scale. What were we thinking? And then, you know, fast forward and now it's like, oh, well, we did that. We've, we've done it. We've released it. That's so cool. Yeah. We've learned yeah. so much. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can say I've learned a lot as well. Um, podcasting. Um, you know, when my original co-host wanted to incorporate, it's like, okay, well, that just totally changes. I, I want this to be fun. I want, and it, and it is, but there are those days where it's like, okay, I know we've done everything right. With, you know, cause I also run two other shows, one of which Derek's on with me on that one. I'm like, we've done everything right. Can't get the monetization. There's one or two things keeping us from getting there. But once those go, it's that Trisha moment of you do it right your floodgates are going to open. But I think for me, it's the fact that I still have fun with everything and doing the show and getting together. Um, especially with like my Wednesday, Derek knows exactly everything that went on on my Wednesday recording with him and our co-host Ken on our star Wars podcast was the escape I needed for that day. And I spent my day with everything going on, looking forward to coming home, seeing my family briefly before podcasting, but also podcast because that was my escape. And I needed that creative vibe to, to shut out everything bad that was happening that day. Um, so there, there's many times like I want, yeah, the, the, like Derek said, the money aspect would be great, but I got to remember doing this because I love doing it. And I love sharing a story with, with someone else uh, and having the banter with someone else who, who shares the same love. Um, and for me, mentor or not mentor inspiration wise, I won't say mentor inspiration wise was Kevin Smith. Cause a lot of his shows back in the day, he would oh, end cool. with, anyone can podcast get your story out there don't be afraid go out and have fun that's that's the thing our story that we like to tell is our 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 love and and geekdom love it and um we've been working with october coast who knows clint that hooked us up with you guys we've been working with them about five six years and um i'm sure clint's listening to the show um most of the folks at the office do uh i will say because of october coast um i think i can speak for derek on this if i'm wrong he's going to correct me big time october coast has helped bring us a better appreciation of independent film projects film creators definitely um what we have we have met others independent um like what what was david and uh chelsea was david chelsea lauren lauren davis uh was that get spy was their series yeah yep and, and they were one of the first independent projects web series projects that we did outside of that we were introduced to outside of october coast and we wouldn't have pursued them if it wasn't for October Coast putting that wow. spark. Um, and, and we've had some top stars, but we have more fun talking to folks like yourselves. And mm-hmm. we actually have more fun with these type of projects than we do if it was the Eternals. I mean, the Eternals would be great, too. <laughs> but but, the, but the, you guys are, are just just the same. I mean, y'all are, are the same. It's the same creation. It's just um, different ways of getting there. So again, I will thank you for, for you guys coming, you know, being willing to come on and do the show with us. Oh, thank you so much for so, having us. Yeah, um, for sharing that. Yeah. Is, is there a chance of a second season? We hope so. We're actually- uh, yeah. Cause, uh, the first season, uh, the the ending of the first season was a, a little bit of a cliffhanger. You could say, <laughs> I, I want, I want to see season. I want to see a season two start off with a Sharks Jets type moment. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Times Square standoff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the mediators are, are the, the vaginas and the penis from Really Show. <laughs> I love it. No, we hope there's a second season. Our goal is actually um, to transition to 30-minute episodes and partnering with a, a streaming platform or a network. 
Um, but if it doesn't work, maybe we'll figure out how to do season two some other way. I hope so. You, you guys, it's, I, I believe it was Kayla said y'all have fun, uh, crowdfunded this season. Yeah, we did yeah. two crowdfunding uh, campaigns. How, oh, how wow. well did those go for you? Because I, I know crowdfunding can be a, a hit and miss uh, proposition. Yeah, they went well. I mean, we, we hit our goals um, like 90 something percent on each one, but we did need to make it two different crowdfunders, one for production and then another one for post-production on Seed and Spark, um, which is secured towards indie filmmakers. And they were super helpful, too. Um, it was definitely a lot of work, um, but it, I think it helps mm-hmm. sort of it was very gratifying, honestly, to see and to see all the people who actually contributed to us and some of them didn't even know us and they still gave us money, which always boggles my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now prior, was it this project and y'all may have answered this and I'm just being spacey about it. Did, was it this project that brought the three of y'all together or hit, did y'all know each other before this project? We knew each other beforehand. and I think we knew we wanted to work together. Um, I met Kayla and Fern, and during the same week, actually, I met Kayla in a hot yoga class, and I met Fern in this little conference on being fearless in 2015, being held with his life coach. And uh, we all just hit it off. And then I think Kayla came to the set of a Doritos commercial that I wrote and was helping produce and film. It was like for the Doritos commercial competition. Mm. Oh, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I partnered with a filmmaker at the time and we were producing that. We needed to borrow a bike. We were in Central Park for a scene and Kayla lived nearby. And I asked her, oh, can we borrow your bike? And she came on set. And I think it was after that, they're like, let's do something together. And I was like, yeah, let's do something. We talked about it for a while. And I think we decided on the web series. And I was like, and I'd seen uh, Fern uh, perform uh, in, a, in a show in the Lower East Side recently, or, you know, within a recent time span. I was like, I think Fern would be great to bring on board. Because I, uh, I, I think we knew that, I knew that, oh, I knew that I as a writer didn't want to just write two main protagonists. I liked the idea of three and I just thought that firm would be a great, like, we all have different energies and it'd be really, you know, fun to collaborate together, both as actors and as creatives to make this happen. And we asked her and she said, oh, yeah, let's do it. And then we just went from there and figured out a concept and et cetera. But, well, yeah. s- since Human Telegraphs has launched, how would y'all feel about getting together to do a Dorito Super Bowl commercial as the Human Telegraphs? I love it. <laughs> since since they, since that Doritos does that every, because I, I want to say they still do it every year, don't they? The the well, commercial. You know- commercial contest the competition like a couple of years ago maybe but they were doing it every year for a super long time yeah yeah so you have to find who's doing the super bowl commercial contest and <laughs> i would look forward to seeing the human telegraphs Aww. we can dress that up as doritos life-size doritos <laughs> oh, we're gonna be there you go Look at Dorito, and then another person dresses up as a mouse, and there's a battle because the Dorito wants to live. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. This will, I guess I'll put this out for all three of y'all. What was the one thing while doing this show that really took you guys out of your comfort zone that you had to tackle in order to get the project done? Probably crowdfunding. What do you guys think? I can't even pick one. I feel like it was like, there's not like one specific thing that I can think of that was like, yeah, that was out of my comfort zone. I feel like the entire, well, you know what might might be it? Actually, just like the multiple hats on the same time. And I don't like being the person that people go to for answers. But sometimes when you're the producer on set, right, you don't, that, that is what happens naturally. And people ask you questions about money and budget and like having to make up <laughs> to like give an answer in the moment. Like I'm very much an introverted thinker where I have to think to myself for a bit, have time to process things and then I can say things. But like you don't get that luxury on set usually. So um, just the whole having to be a producer in addition to the creative hats um, was definitely incredibly challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I can agree with that with just being on set and um, just the multitasking of, <laughs> of, you know, making sure that Crafty was packed in the van 
the night before and also learning my lines on a few hours of sleep and like <laughs> yeah. and like drive like driving a, a minivan like to Brooklyn but also then getting my hair and makeup done like mm-hmm. it was just <laughs> just doing so many things was really hard <laughs> I feel like there's a great video that encapsulates this where Kayla the, the van broke down again after an overnight <laughs> shoot and Kayla's just oh, wandering no. around Greenwich Village with her face painted in like this beautiful green fairy type leaves all over. And she's just stumbling around like sleepless in Greenwich Village, <laughs> like a fairy waiting for the van to get fixed or something like that. I think, I think that, the, that um, for instance, well, a lot of times, which is like, we just didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when like, like how much was involved in it. So, um, so that was, I think, the challenge was then just, like, stepping into that role and just, like, doing, like, accepting that, like, some things were going to fall through the cracks and I couldn't control everything because I'm very on top of things. And <laughs> and uh, I had to rely on my team. And luckily we had an amazing, amazing crew. So, like, it all came together. But I had to, I think, accept that there were going to be imperfect things and there, the van was going to break down and I was going to call AAA at six in the morning after an overnight shoot with sparkly green face paint on my face. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's Grand Village. That's common practice. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I used to live in uh, Orange County, New York for a bit. So mm. been in the village many times to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> Um, at what point did y'all realize that y'all were kind of officially a production team or, or in, in business together? Um, I feel like we actually did that from the beginning because we decided at one point to like put together an LLC and we called ourselves three bright lights productions. (laughs) So I think there there was sort of, I don't know if that was like after the pilot, it might've been after the pilot. I think it was after the pilot. So it was like before we crowdfunded, um, yeah, we had to do crowdfunding. Yeah. For financial purposes, we're like, Oh, that was something that I learned from a mentor. I was like, Oh, we have to create an LLC for like tax purposes for the crowdfunding. It just was. Yeah. And I still screwed up and I like all the funds from the first crowdfunder still came to me as like income for that year. And I freaked out like, this isn't going to work. Oh my God, it's going taxes. I mean, so I hired a tax person. They figured it out, but it was still like a very terrifying moment when I opened that, that like 1099 or whatever it was. (laughs) So what, what kind of, how did you, what kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, things did, did you Get, do on your crowdfunding and how did you come up with the ideas for them that that wasn't the word i was thinking of eric i was thinking burrito i don't know i don't know i thought about a lot of burritos um different types of burritos <laughs> different fillings for burritos and um yeah actually seed and spark was super helpful for us um for they have this little education training thing on their website and we went through it and got a lot of great information um I read this book, Crowdfunding for Indie Filmmakers by John Dragonis, and that was super helpful, too. Um, And just, like, leaning into our strengths and being like, okay, we don't want to mail things because postage will add up, but we can do postcards. So, you know, I like doodling. Let me doodle thank you notes to all the people who, you know, donate X amount of money. And then (laughs) I spent the next two years just, like, doodling everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was for sure. It was for sure, like, a brainstorming effort of what Fern said, where it's like, what are things that we feel aren't going to, you know, take a ton of energy on our part of like, it's going right. to take up too much time that, that we're, that, that we need to like create the series. And also like, what are people actually going to enjoy receiving, um, that they're going to get a kick out of. So we did things like doing live thank you videos in Times Square, where we would just like run through Times Square with the human telegraphs poster and, do like sh- like literal <laughs> shout out thank yous and make cute little videos for people because that was really fun and that was something that we could also use on social media to help promote the series so creative things like that nice yeah I actually think we still have some to fulfill but they're kind of dependent on finishing the uh, series like I think I was going to make a map of all the locations <laughs> that we filmed that but I was like well we should wait till it's released right so we don't give anything away so to anyone who still has not received their incentive yet, 
We have not forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I think there only might be like three that were like, we need to finish post-production to complete this. But for the most part, we did all of our shout out, thank yous in Times Square and <laughs> all the ones we could complete. That's pretty cool. I like that. It's very creative. Thank you. What was y'all's favorite moment on set individually? Um, we shot for 13 days, so it's hard. Like, that was a lot of, and it was within like a two and a half week time span. So it just feels like one big, amazing blur. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, our very last, um, our last scene was Kayla playing Margot in a very exuberant, like, declaration of, like, I made it. And that was, it was so wonderful that that was the very last scene that we filmed because just like she does this like glorious exuberant declaration. People on the sidewalk are, are like turning around being like, well, what the hell just happened? And like, and then it's like, cut. <laughs> and then series wrap. And then we all like bundled into a big old hug. And I think I started crying because I was like, I can't believe we actually did it. So, I mean, there's a lot of amazing moments on set, but I feel like that was just such perfection with the timing and just like the feeling of the scene leading into the feeling of real life. Like we did it. We really did it. <laughs> was there a bit of relief too? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's, it felt like a marathon, to be honest. So it's like it finished, it finished, and then it's like okay, let's take a break, um, and then after the break, we can you know return to logistics and admin stuff, like returning a lot of props and costumes as much as possible <laughs> to save money. <laughs> yeah, I I like that moment too because, like you said, it was I think it was cool to be shooting outdoors and like there is actual pedestrians reacting to my (laughs) exuberant joy of like bursting out onto the street and it was always fun when we had (laughs) background actors that weren't actually hired actors but were (laughs) responding in a way that we could actually use them on camera and like use it as part of the scene so it felt it felt fun to to be you know (laughs) to, to be supported by the crew and being able to like run down the East village, just making a fool out of myself, but like having no cares about it. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I also liked walking down the sidewalk together in Coney Island. It's actually the opening scene, I think of episode two, but I think it was one of the last scenes that we filmed where we're just chatting about making rent. And I don't know, just, I felt like it was a fun, happy vibe. I liked eating my little bunch of lettuce. <laughs> yeah, shooting in Coney Island is really cool. And yeah. cold. Oh, yeah, it was cold. Yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, when you had the the extra, the, the background extras that weren't initially hired, uh, was it was that something you had to go up to them afterwards to get a film release for it? Or do you have uh, the leeway of, well, they just happen to be there. We don't have to, since it's not focused on them, we could still use them in, in the in the project. Yeah, I think the second one. Yeah. <laughs> like they, weren't, they weren't featured enough that they were like, that we would need to get a release or anything. Okay. And like, I think that usually that's only if there's speaking lines involved. Yeah. Derek, sound like you had something else. Well, I was just going to say that's good because it sounds like that would be uh, less than fun trying to get uh, all those people to releases. Yeah. Yeah, we had some some street permits involved with going through the, um, I, don't, I can't remember if it was like the mayor's department or something in New York, but we did have to get some permits when we were shooting on the sidewalk. But it wasn't something where we actually like closed down the block, so there was definitely still pedestrians walking by. I mean, we did have PA sort of standing mm. certain places to try to redirect traffic. So there's actually a scene where where every time I see it, I like <laughs> my eyes go straight to the PA that's in the very background because I know that they're standing there <laughs> to block traffic. But I don't think anybody else is going to see it. It's just me being like very nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> it always. I always find it interesting talking to to indie filmmakers because you learn more about the actual inner workings of making these projects. And there's there's a lot of things you might not realize go into making things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what was one of the um, terrifying moments on the project? Something that is like, 
I can't believe we're going to do this or <laughs> maybe the van breaking down like a second time or I, I have a couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of them for me was we were running behind schedule one day when we were shooting. Uh, we had a scene that we were going to shoot in a playground. And so when we went to shoot there, it was during recess time. And so it was just like full of kids from the school next door. And um, and we ended up having to totally re-storyboard like how we were going to shoot that um, that scene. And it, so it was in the in the moment it was very panicked um, because we just didn't know how we were going to stay on schedule. And and we had our we had one of our actresses there that had come from out of state, um, and so we just had to like on the spot figure out okay how are we going to film this scene like how are we just gonna how are we gonna tell this story but not in the original way that we planned and so that was scary to me was like thinking on our feet and how can we still do the story justice um but not shoot it in the original way that we intended to but that all that all came together and then the second one was uh yeah the van difficulties one night like I said I I was (laughs) I was in charge of the the driving of the gear van, which was uh, a pretty <laughs> pretty old minivan um, that we would store overnight in a parking garage on the Upper West Side to keep our gear safe. Um, and one night, I was driving the van home from Brooklyn to the Upper West Side. I was going over a bridge, and all of a sudden. The passenger, and I'm by myself, and I have like thousands of dollars worth of gear in, in the van, and we're shooting the next day, and it's probably around midnight, and <laughs> all of a sudden, I hear the, the passenger window just go down. I didn't put it down. It just like falls down, and I pull over, and I can't get the window to go back up, so I'm in a panic um, because I have, you know, a van full of, like I said, lots of money of gear um, that I have to store overnight and I can't get my window to go up and, and that's not a safe situation for our gear and I had to figure out something in like the next couple hours or I'm not going to sleep so um, so that was very stressful and luckily um, I had an amazing team and my AD came down um, and met me and <laughs> figured out how to duct tape, get the window back up and duct tape it for the night so it was like but it was like things like that where it's like totally just putting out of fires but also needing to like figure out how I can take care of myself to be able to show up as an actor the next day um those were some challenging situations (laughs) yeah yeah I had a moment at the actually it's the very first day of um shooting where I was like functioning as a producer because as an actor I wasn't on till much later um, and we had some misunderstandings with our background actors um, who about payment. And so I had to call our SAG representative um, who was on the West Coast. So they weren't even awake yet. But I was like, we have to figure this out before we wrap this scene so that we can like communicate what they need. And like miscommunication about, you know, getting paid is, is something that people are going to get very arced about, understandably, if we told them the wrong thing from what is actually going to happen. So it was like trying to do that kind of admin stuff that I just really don't enjoy doing um and I also had a whole thing about like having um a whole bag of props on my arm because I was also making props at the same time and I was like any moment that I can have that you know I will um can just you know steal away to to make these props you know just try to because time is so short on these things so I was doing that like one hand with the phone one hand with the props and then like sitting in a chair and getting my makeup done for the later scene and (laughs) like that's just a moment for me that just really encapsulates what I don't know how many hats we were all wearing and how much we had to deal with at any one time because we needed we just had to do it so we did (laughs) amazingly (laughs) so then do do you guys feel like you learned some things doing this that you might be able to do something differently now or sure so many things (laughs) like I think we're I mean personally I'm just always so grateful for every everything I've learned through this project every 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 way that we've grown as a team and just like learned new skills along each step of production 
they're all things that we can apply to multiple areas of our lives and make, I think, um, it was, you know, creating this was an opportunity to create artistic opportunities for ourselves as artists. Um, but it's also made me feel, you know, like I can continue creating more projects also and, and feel like, um, maybe I know like better what my strengths are, or how I would, yeah, go about things differently. So for sure. Yeah, I definitely think we, nice. I mean, when it finished, I definitely thought to myself, well, I'm never doing that ever again. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but knowing in the back of my head that I probably would one day, cause that's a lot of wonderful experience to like not put into <laughs> use, you know? Um, but I think like having done what we've done, I think it just gives us tremendous opportunities um, because we know what we know now to make more stuff. And it's not always with the you know goal of we want to feature ourselves in a thing, even though that's definitely valid, but just the, the freedom I feel to partner with other people just to experiment and create. Like I partnered with um, a friend of mine who's in New York and we're like, let's make a remote film during the pandemic because we have to figure out safer ways to do this. And because of human telegraphs, like I was okay with the idea of being the only person on set and handling my hair and makeup and like all these different things and knowing that it'd be a lot, but that I could do it because I have done it before. So that's super empowering. Um, and also just realizing again, how much we've learned and having other people come to us now and be like, Hey, I'd like some advice about, you know, how you did this and be like, Oh yeah, we, we can also be in the position to be mentors and like advice givers and sort of have more, to offer the creative community, which is really exciting. I love that. Yeah. Um, we lost Rachel as we heard her, her kid in the background, having a meltdown, <laughs> part of life. Um, where can we find you guys online? So you can binge our series now on YouTube, youtube.com slash human telegraphs. And we're on all the social media at human telegraphs. And humantelegraphs.com as well, because, you know, website, why not? Yeah, yeah and like we said, we're doing, we're doing a, a weekly watch party. So if anyone wants to tune in and hear some behind-the-scenes tales or chat with us live on our live stream, it's Monday night at 8.30 Eastern Time. And sometimes we show little clip reels of behind-the-scenes, the making of Human Telegraphs. So that's fun for anyone who's, who's interested in behind-the-scenes. Awesome. That kind of stuff is great. Uh, I'm I'm an extras junkie. Me too. That, that's you know I I buy DVDs just for um just for the extras and, and it kills me when you you want to get a Star Wars film or some other film and to get all the extras you have to buy all the different variants from Target, Amazon, oh, Best Buy. Yeah. Like, no, just give me one where it's all on one disc. Totally. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Lord of the Rings extended editions box sets for all of them. And like, Ooh, nice. I, they're, they're, they still bring me joy. I'll still pop them in and be like, okay, let's listen to the uh, narration from the director and like from the cast. And I, I love things like that. I'm one. If they were to re-release a DVD or, or Blu-ray and I had even one new extra, I'm like, buy it. <laughs> They know how but to we already have it. <laughs> I know, but I, oh, I don't yeah. have I don't have that extra. Which means that we don't have it because we don't have that extra. So we have to get it, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you guys for for joining us. I actually, you know, Derek, I almost forgot, and you probably <laughs> were almost glad that I almost forgot. I want I want a chance to flip the tables and let them ask us a couple questions. Ooh. I like it. And Rachel's going to miss out on this. What is your biggest geekdom? What is the, the one like franchise you geek out on the most? Hmm. It's, it's is a good question. For me, it's an easy question because it's also what led me to getting into the entertainment industry. It's Star Wars. I would say for me, I would say it's a tie between Star Wars and, and Marvel right now. Hmm. And is there anything like that each thing has done in their history that just might have like tested your loyalty to them? <laughs> uh, Star Wars, the sequel trilogy. <laughs> but 
it, it's not uh, it's not necessarily the films that tested me it's more i mean yeah because i am very adamant about issues that i have with the last jedi whereas i know derek's very adamant about issues with rise of skywalker oh yeah um but it's more because of the sequel trilogy it's the the toxic fandom yes that has caused i was gonna say that as well it 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 doesn't quite it doesn't make me question my loyalty it makes me question my patience the fandom yeah and it does it does kind of put uh a damper on things sometimes like you just like i i don't can't you just either just try to enjoy it or just be quiet because i don't want to hear the whining and the moaning and the oh this is there just you know if you didn't like it okay move on totally the, the complaints people had about force awakens but they they praise the phantom menace well, Phantom Menace is the exact same concept, same formula as well. It's the way Star Wars is done in the three film trilogy. And they, and George used a method that worked in, in the storytelling of the different eras. And the group behind the sequel trilogy followed the same formula because it's what worked. Mm-hmm. It's the fans that don't recognize that that make it an issue. And so. There's so many angles to it. On a yeah. wide spectrum. I have a question. Is oh, there yeah. oh, could... is there anything that you guys have learned from doing the podcast that you've been able to um, that's inspired the way you continue to run your podcast, or any shifts that you've made in the evolution of what your goal is for how you run your podcasts? Like the people that you've met, like have you gained information from? from the interviews that have shifted how you think about what you do or how you create your own work. Um, I'll let you start first, Derek, because you coming on here, you know, I helped inspire you into starting your own show. Yes, that's true. So, uh, and I know there was a lot yeah, of back and forth between the two of us on how do you do this? How do you do that? Yeah. That's so Mike and I have been doing this show for like five or six years now together. I want to say six or seven Star- years. Yeah, yeah, probably. And our Star Wars show for at least five, yep. if not more. And we'll in addition, in addition to that, I have two other shows. One I do with my with my uh, lifelong best friend, where we review like cheesy movies and such. Um, and I do another one that's kind of in the middle of a content change at the moment, but uh, called New England Society of Geeks, where I, you know, I do it. It's kind of like a, a show that has different, like I do a comic book episode and all this other stuff. But anyway, um, so I wanted to, you know, I, when I started listening to podcasts, I don't remember when it was a long time ago, I always wanted to do one on my own. And then, you know, I met, I met Mike over, the internet and we we you know we ended up getting together and I started doing this show and I just like he said he helped me out with a lot of stuff and I started my own shows because I just caught like the bug and I was just like I love this I want to do it it's fun I enjoy it and I feel like I have things to say for me uh being an audio engineer real life it was trying to figure out the recording aspect over the internet um even though my original co-host he and i were in the same town we did this after work and there was no way we were wanting to get together late at night at one person's house or the other so we just said okay we can do this over skype we just gotta figure out how to do it and how to set up the software to do it uh now the only show i do with someone locally is the show my daughter and i do other than that Derek's in, Bo- in the Boston area right now. I'm in the Orlando area right now. Um, when I record my Marvel show, uh, one of my co-hosts is in Alabama. The other co-host is in Ohio. And then when Derek and I record, um, we add a co-host from Ohio uh, onto that show. So, and, and of the f- one, two, three, of the five co-hosts, is that right? One, two, three. Now, of the four co-hosts that I work with. Oh, yeah. I've only met one in person. Wow. The rest of us, we've never, we've never met in person. It's always been over the internet. Yeah, 
a little fun fact about Weeby Geeks. Mike and I have never actually met face-to-face. No way. Mm-hmm. Has it been so long that you're like, we should just never meet face-to-face just to like keep this going? <laughs> we, we, actually, we, we've been talking <laughs> about yet, it. But <laughs> um, we've been talking about it because we, we, we've been talking about things with uh, Wookiee Radio, our, our Star Wars show. Um, and it's just a matter of funds uh for them um and and just timing when when can we get time off uh to do a um with that show you know a three family get together and just spend time at at the parks type deal so it's been the challenge anniversary yeah I think that'd be a really awesome celebration someday Someday it'll happen (laughs) 2022 because you say it's nine years that you just passed right so I feel like the 10th anniversary would be amazing yeah. yeah Big blowout for ten years. Mm. Yeah, bring bring all bring all the show hosts together because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Weeby Geeks, the other two shows wouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it'd be so cool. You'll have like a joint episode, like one of those, you know, DC crossover. Oh shoot, should I not mention DC with all the Marvel fans here? <laughs> no, <laughs> this show's we, we okay. Like DC we, as well. We, okay. Yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, this shows our 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 general. Geek, geek show where we cover everything uh, so but hey for the 10 year anniversary maybe we can have some human tele- telegraphs oh totally <laughs> that'd be amazing I'm just saying Derek <laughs> um, I'd be down for that I guess before we go any final thoughts from from anyone I love this you both ask such thoughtful questions and like it's so nice like, oh, to hear you. you reflecting about the show and it just it's so lovely so thank you for spending you know your late nights <laughs> chatting with us oh it's our pleasure yeah, thank you so much for having us it, and for sharing it, your stories as well it's mm-hmm. awesome to connect with other creatives yeah, definitely. I, I think that's one of the things we yes. have. I think that's one of the things we have fun with, uh, with, with interviewing, you know, the independent film or independent, you know, independent creators, uh, whether it's film, television, web series, whatnot is, you know, just that being able to share the common things and, and realize we have a lot more in common than, than we expect. And, you know, and again, it, it, it's definitely brought us a greater appreciation to, to indie projects. Oh yeah. So, yeah, um, definitely. We, we, we've had many as like, I don't know about the, you guys aren't the case, but you know, we've had some, it's like, <laughs> I don't know about this interview, how it's going to work out. And then it's like, oh my God, that was so much fun. And it, it was, it was a blast. And, um, I knew with this project, with the way Clint presented it, it's like, okay, this is going to be a lot of fun. We haven't done a web series in a while and this will be, this will be a blast and we'll, we'll, we'll have a good time with it. So awesome. And, Thanks Clint. Hi Clint. And, I, <laughs> and I'm going to say we definitely have had a blast. Awesome. So, uh, we definitely want you, you back. Coming on. We want you back when season two comes out. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm down. So, or That's if you have date. other projects that you, that you need to pitch, feel free Give us a shout. I would love to have you guys back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but on that note. <laughs> <laughs> The bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.